When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Bottom line is these two guys really like each other. Mackey and Judd. They formed a special brotherhood. They've said, you know what? We can do this better together than apart. On 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd. Later on, we'll talk to Dan Hayes from The Athletic. He covers the Twins, and he's been a regular on this show for about a month. He's part of our Talking Twins lineup. We're also looking forward to our annual Masters preview with golf guy Nick Peters, who will join us in the noon hour today. We're going to give away a Twins, is it a four-pack of tickets for the opener tomorrow? It's sold out. So hopefully people people are interested in sitting outside in the cold. But I think enough people will be interested. We're going to play a little game later on today. And it is a four-pack, yeah. 3-10 the start time. All right. Uh, Bat and barrel, folks. Bat and barrel. That's where you got to head. Can go in there you now. Are a big bat and barrel fan. <laughs> no, I hate the name, but it'll be warm in there. Yes, yes, it will be. All right, How let's about, get into this Minnesota sports yes. regrets discussion here. Take it away. All right, so so in the course of our conversation yesterday, I forget exactly what it was about, but oh, it, it was about the fact that the Twins are uh, are going to play in the freezing cold on Thursday, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, my greatest Minnesota sport regret is wrapped in that conversation. So last night I'm thinking to myself, what are my three greatest regrets sports-wise in this town? And I did not include, like, the Vikings didn't get to the Super Bowl in 98 or 09. That's obvious. It's too bad. But I'm thinking real regrets of things that happened that either changed the direction possibly of a franchise and or changed the landscape of sports in this town from something I liked. Okay. So number three on my list is this one. Not surprisingly, North Stars related. Is this going to be all North Stars? No, it's not. All Judd Childhood? Nope, nope, nope. It's going to be two hockey and one baseball, actually. Uh, But in 1983, Lou Nanny made one of the greatest trades of all time. And in that trade, he acquired the first round pick of the Pittsburgh Penguins in the draft. The Penguins were god-awful. The Penguins finished dead last. Mm -hmm. The North Stars got the first overall pick. And in a draft that included Pat LaFontaine going third to the Islanders, Steve Eiserman going fourth to Detroit, Tom Barrasso, a terrific a goaltender straight out of high school, going fifth to Buffalo, and Cam Neely going ninth. Cam Neely going ninth. The North Stars took Brian Lawton. The regret there is this. If you take Eiserman in that draft, it probably changes the course of the history of that franchise. Like, do you think they he don't? A, do you think they don't I think move there's a to chan- Dallas? I think there's a chance they don't move. I think things are completely. If you if you look at the impact when when Detroit took Eiserman in that draft, Detroit was at that time a joke. Yeah, they were the Dead Wings. 
Steve Eiserman was there. Is that what they called him? As yes, they called him the Dead Wings. But but Eiserman was there as the franchise went from being a laughing stock and a complete joke to being a Stanley Cup team. Yeah. So my regret there is not just the fact that that Lawton didn't turn out and was a first round first pick overall bust. My regret there is I think that if you had taken the right player, it changes the direction of the North Star franchise history. Okay. So that is because that was my favorite team as a kid growing up. Uh, and remains my team, in my mind at least, that is number three. Number two is not going to surprise you. And this is said purely from the standpoint of a fan who does not care about trophies for kids or opportunities. The State High School Hockey Tournament. I get that it's fine now. It's actually fun. It's fun to watch. Double A is really good. A is not bad. Uh, But from 1945 to 1991, you had two state tournaments that were talked about in this country. Indiana basketball one class and our hockey tournament. And as a fan, it was terrific. It was, I went to every game from 19, I think it was 87 to 91. I didn't miss a game in person. I went to every single game. As a hockey fan, it was the greatest thing. And it was the, it was, as I said, one of the two most special state high school tournaments in the country. How would they, Sports Illustrated did a massive takeout piece on this tournament. I mean, it's still regarded as... Yeah, it's as, still good. Um, so, all right, I, I'm going to poke holes in that. Why is it that... How much different was the tournament? Was the seating different? Because it, I would I would think that more often than not, the, the bigger schools and the schools with, you know, 800 kids in a class, like the Edinas and the, at the time, Bloomington Jeffersons, that those were still the teams that more often than not were rising to the top of the state ranks, right? Right. But so what made it so much different? Were there just a lot of underdogs that were rising would, up? Or what? Rozo, because ho- hockey's not a sport where, where you, you need to have a huge enrollment. And the teams from the north that would come down were outstanding. They were really, really good. Like, could Hermantown beat Edina? Like, if they, sure, played, they, 10 ga- if they played 10 games, they could like beat what, them, would, sure. what would happen? They could beat them. I'm not saying that, that they would win the majority of the games, but they definitely could. Mm-hmm. But that tournament in itself and those Thursday, Friday, Saturday were so special and so much fun. And and you did get teams that came down from up north and were fantastic. And that, as a fan, it was great. And it's still good now, but it was great. But what? But So you're saying what made it great was the contrast of smaller schools yes. from outstate Minnesota. Yes. Taking on the big boys and from Bloomington and yes. from Eden Prairie. And they had chances. It was not... Football, you can't do it. Football, the small schools would get absolutely annihilated and killed. But mm-hmm. in, in hockey, you could do it. And I get the fact that they... And the other problem was it took a long time to get it right. Because if, if you recall, which you probably don't, in 92, they went to that what they con- called... That was awfully condescending. Well, I was were like se- I was, seven years old. I was seven. So you probably don't recall. I was already no, watching sports. I was watching SportsCenter 24 7 when I was seven. What I was saying is it's not <laughs> fair for me to assume that, that you would recall this, but in 92, they went to the Tier 1, Tier 2 tournament, mm-hmm. which was just a disaster. It was awful. So it took them a long time to get this right again. And if it hadn't been such a special thing, you'd be like, okay, that, that's fine. But it was. It was a very special tournament that the small schools had a real chance to win in. So they, I'm just looking at the results here. So, I mean, it was mostly Edina, Hill Murray, Burnsville, uh, Bloomington, Kennedy, Bloomington, Jefferson. And then uh, Rosso won it in 1990. Yep. I believe they played Grand Rapids, perhaps, in the championship. And that was a one, that was a just a single-tier single 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 class tournament. tournament. Exactly. But it only really happened one time in the 80s. 
Um, but you if you look at the like, okay, Rochester, John Marshall, Rochester's pretty big. So it's just that they let smaller schools in only to get beat more often than not by bigger schools. But, but when the but small the schools matchups won, made it fun. It was magical. That's my point. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that is number two. And then my top Minnesota sports regret is one that we uh, brought up on yesterday's show. And this is this is going to be a very controversial statement that I'm going to make. Wow. I would exchange. I would give up the Twins two World Series titles for outdoor baseball from the Judd Zolgat ages of 12 to 40. The prime years of my life were spent going to baseball games. So so I was 11 years old, if I'm not mistaken, when the Twins, uh, in 81, when the Twins played there last year in Bloomington. So from the age of 12, my prime high school years of baseball, my prime drinking years of life, my prime sitting in the bleachers outside enjoying a ball game, were spent. I gotta. I'm sorry. I would give up. I'm sorry. The two World Series. I've got to. No. I know this is controversial. I gotta flag you. I'm cutting open a vein for you two. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. And you know, Officer Dave Harrigan. Hot take, Officer Dave Harrigan. Feel free to step in here. That is so hot. You're saying that you would give right up. You would give up the Kirby Puckett Game Six performance and the Jack Morris legendary performance in Game Seven so and two World Championships. So tough to watch. Perhaps let's let's even go this far. Crappy baseball outside for like two and a half decades. That you that you would that you would rather watch. Let's take the '90s for the Twins. And if I multiplied that by 20 years, but hey, it's outside and you get to hang out outside in July, you'd rather have that and give up the two world championships. That's what you're saying. In one of the most controversial episodes of this show of all time, that's exactly what I just said. Okay, pull your microphone over, sir. Step, uh, yes, officer. Step out of the vehicle. I've only had a couple at bat and barrel today. The hot take police on? are taking you in for fingerprints. All right, Officer Dave, your thoughts on this. Were you unable to have fun at the Dome? Because I remember my youth obviously going to the Dome still as a child and then growing up in high school when I had the driver's license. And, you know, they had the student nights. You could get like four, three dollar, five dollar tickets, whatever they were, to sit first in the left field bleachers. Then they moved it upstairs in the GA. I remember having a ton of fun Agreed. every home Wednesday during the summer with buddies. <laughs> and the baseballs, I mean, it sucked for, for baseball. Obviously, the stadium was horrible. You could sit in, you know, half the seats and not be able to see the whole field or be turned the wrong way. But I remember having a hell of a good time hanging over the right field uh, overhang and right in uh, in the upper deck. And over scre- the baggie. Yeah, screaming at Lou Ford. Yeah. And having him, you know, just wave a hand just because, hey, he finally heard us. Here's the difference between the generation that Dave and I come from, which is we're like fringe millennials. We're, we're, we're sort of like early adopter millennials from the mid-80s. We were born in the mid-80s. And people rip on our generation that we're entitled and that we question things. You know what we also do? We take environments like the Metrodome. And make it fun. Yes, we throw we batteries at Chuck Knobloch. We heckle hot dogs at Chuck. We Knobloch. heckle Manny Ramirez. We throw hot dogs at Chuck Knobloch. Exactly. We made that environment fun in the early 2000s for all of the rest of you. We made it tolerable, and the baseball got better too. But you know what? I'm with Dave on this. To say that you would give up two World Championships just to watch baseball outside, Both go to a damn Legion game and watch baseball outside. I- 
I'll the take, Saints. I'll take 91. All right. All right. What I'm going to say is going to sound condescending, and I don't want it to come off that, that way. Well, it probably will, because it probably is. First of all, I don't blame both of you for your stances. But indoor baseball is all you really knew. Indoor Major League Baseball is all that you knew. So we've known That's I, not true. We, we've known outdoor baseball now for I went, a decade. I went, and there's zero chance I would trade. No, but I'm saying as a child, as a child, it's all that you knew. That's not true. You I went taking, to ballparks all across the okay, upper but for your home, for your, but for your home games, what I'm saying for your in your town, it's what you knew. I don't expect you. I don't expect you to share my view. I'm cutting open a vein about how I felt, and how I felt was this. I started going to Twins games at the Met in 1978, okay? Three years in, I was robbed of outdoor baseball. It was taken away from me like a death in the family. And I was all of a sudden relocated to my fat aunts. And she wouldn't let me go outside. She was no fun. She was... She played baseball in a place where you couldn't see the ball, where it was a complete joke. It was taken away from me. Uh, people are destroying you on Twitter right now. I would you expect my, nothing less. I'm going to give you my sports regrets when we come back here, too. This is just like, here's face the facts. Send Judd home for the day. Uh, here's another one. Judd is the worst. All three of those are incredibly stupid. Take Judd's mic away for the rest of the show. See, you could have ended on a high note, and you just, we're going to come back and discuss this. Cutting open a vein. All right, Luther Brookdale Toyota is on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And uh, speaking of the Twins, they are the uh, main sponsor for the Touch Em All podcast, which, once again, shattered another download record. We appreciate you guys. Hey, some of it's the team being more interesting, but uh, we appreciate you guys listening and downloading. We appreciate Luther Brookdale Toyota helping out, keeping our mics on on a weekly basis. Uh, They have all kinds of new models, the 2018s, that you can check out right now. Uh, it's just it's incredible the innovation that takes place not only with Toyotas but also just at the best service department and showroom area in the Twin Cities. So go get into a 2018 Camry, Corolla, Rav4. Find out for yourself why these are some of the most popular vehicles in the world right now. And while you're at it, take a stroll around the Luther Lounge. It's baseball season, so if you're like me, sometimes you procrastinate things like oil changes or maintenance on your vehicle because you want to watch baseball. You want to go home and watch baseball. Well, they've got two massive 70-inch flat-screen TVs, six workstations with TVs, cable, and all of them. It's a great place to get work done, maybe to watch a ball game. The Luther Lounge on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. We're ready. Are you? The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready, master control? Ready, switch on. This is 1500 ESPN. Yeah, pull over. A man tries to cut open a vein for you two, and you call me wacky, and then people mock me. I'm very hurt. Uh, you should be hurt, and, and and people are crushing you. So so we're we're into this, and I'll give you my. I have two. Actually, my two biggest Minnesota sports regrets. Not counting like the Vikings should have won the '98 game. I'm talking like yeah, like a little bit deeper in the weeds. They actually happened in the same year, 22 years ago, okay. which I'll get to in a second. But you stated that you would give up one of one of your biggest sports regrets is indoor baseball for almost three decades. Between uh-huh. your ages of 12 and 40. 40. Correct. And you would give up two Metrodome World Championships uh-huh. for the Twins, which, as people on Twitter are pointing out, that would leave us with zero titles from the four major men's pro sports teams in this town. Right. Just to be able to, as another Twitter follower points out, freeze your ass off in April and September and maybe have snow falling on your head. Like, you can't. 
You're complaining about the weather tomorrow, and yet oh, you no. give up two championships to have more of that weather for 30 years. I've acknowledged. Explain yourself. Yeah, I've acknowledged it's going to be cold tomorrow. But as we discussed on the uh, Tuesday show, that does not mean that I would want the Twins to go back indoors. I love Target Field. I love them being outside. It's cold here in April. The only thing that I've complained about is the fact that I don't understand why they didn't open around April 9th or so. But believe me, this took a lot of thought. Oh, like, that's I didn't even come, I didn't come to this lightly. I didn't just sit down and say, oh, I'd give up the two World Series. This took a lot of thought. My uh, prime outdoor baseball years were robbed of me. The dude emails, Judd, put the pipe down and pass it this way. The dome was amazing because the sound of the game was amplified times 10 compared to Target Field. I've never felt the same uh, at Target Field as I did the dome energy-wise and crowd enthusiasm-wise. Love you, bud. But to give up those two World Series for outdoor baseball is bat bleep crazy, my friend. Couldn't agree more with the dude. Uh, Was it it ideal? But there were times where I would argue there were times where Metrodome baseball, because of the unique atmosphere and and like the dude emails in, the energy. When you pack 40,000 fans or 50,000 fans into that place, game 163 in 09, World Series in 87, 1991, where it was such a unique, amazing atmosphere Obviously, when they were losing and there's 10,000 fans on a Tuesday night against the Tigers or something in 1994, that's different. But, I don't know, to give up two world championships for outdoor baseball is one of the top five most ridiculous things you said on the show. It was never truly baseball. So they never truly won two Indoor baseball was never truly. Dome baseball was never truly baseball. Wow. God never, ever intended for baseball to be played that way. Pull this guy over right Took now. Took a lot of thought, so and I Tor- want you to know this is a very personal thing for so me. So Toronto's never played a real baseball game. The Astros with Nolan Ryan never played a real baseball game. It's not real baseball. In- right. Indoor dome baseball is not real baseball. I agree that the Rays don't play real it's baseball. It's somewhat of a circus show. The Trop is a different thing altogether, but all right. Part of your advantage in the Metrodome was opposing outfielders would lose fly balls in the ceiling. Well, once in a That's while. not real baseball. Rich Becker lost a couple, too. It evens out. Sometimes they went through the ceiling. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah, learn how to hit it through the holes in the ceiling. So home field advantage. Dick uh, here are my two biggest sports, Minnesota sports regrets. There's probably a couple more, but these are the two that jumped out right away. And they're both from 1996, actually. Let's start with the Twins one. This is an obscure one for you. Mm-hmm. The 1996 Twins were supposed to have Paul Molitor and Kirby Puckett, two Hall of Famers batting back-to-back, in what wound up being, without Kirby Puckett, one of the best lineups in baseball. The Twins were a top a top 10 offense in 1996. Inside the crappy Metrodome, I get it. You're going to discredit it because they played indoor baseball. But they had, and this is the middle of the steroid era, and the Twins scored runs without home runs. It was Paul Molitor, you know, batting average doubles. So you would have taken like a Rich Becker or a young Matt Lawton who wasn't very good at night. Matt Lawton became better as the years progressed. But you would have replaced a Rich Becker, Matt Lawton type with one of the greatest hitters of all time in Kirby Puckett, who still batted 300 in 1995. He was in his mid-30s, but he was still one of the best hitters in baseball. I don't know if that team makes the playoffs because they were 78 and 84 without Puckett, but that team probably finishes above 500 and has, it just gives you more excitement. It would have been Molitor. Steinbach was on that team. Uh, so a Puckett-Molitor back-to-back was the plan going into the season, but then Kirby Puckett couldn't answer the bell in spring training. So that was one of my biggest sports for Minnesota sports regrets, just not being able to see that. Sure. And then the other one, everybody raved about Stefan Marbury and Kevin Garnett and how often they could have kept those guys together. Ray Allen was the guy they drafted in 1996. 
if they would have held on to Ray Allen, not traded him to the Bucks, and you had Ray Allen, one of the greatest shooters in the history of basketball, and a first ballot Hall of Famer, and Kevin Garnett, who eventually paired up to win a championship in Boston with Paul Pierce 15 years later, or whatever it was, 12 years later, if you would have had Ray Allen, who's very, very much, in terms of like sharing the spotlight, ego-free in that regard, he shared spotlights with the big three in Milwaukee, with the big three in Boston, with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James later in his career in Miami, I don't think he would have played the I need the same amount of spotlight as Kevin Garnett card. Yep. And you could have wrote out a Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett pairing for 10 years inside the Target Center. And no one, t- like everyone's all, well, if Marbury would have stayed, BS. Marbury was uh, now Marbury was a fake superstar. Now the problem, the problem there, and the the, the reason why I don't have a regret with that one is I remember that draft night and that trade, and up and up until that the franchise, they had never had a point guard, and they were so desperate for a point guard. So I I I always held that that was the right move at the time. Okay, we have a we have a guest on the hotline here, Patrick. Take hey. it away. I'm uh, getting a little worried about you. Uh, Which you're one? Talking about, you're talking about 96. Knobloch and Molitor. You haven't mentioned Knobloch. Okay. That's, that's the year Knobloch uh, was out of his mind. And uh, you're right. Puck was killing the ball that spring. Wait a second. Of there. all the things that you could call and Wait, bitch uh, about He's not right done now, yet. He's not done. You're going to bitch at no, me he's for omitting me. Chuck Knobloch and not he's Judd gonna, for getting rid of 87 yeah, well, and 91 he's, World he's Series? He's going to rip me. What is happening? I can feel it. It's coming but on. The reason to regret Puck more than anything is he would have been hitting third behind Knobloch and Molitor, who between them had 420 <laughs> okay. hits. You know, I'm sorry, I, I paired up two Hall of Famers, and you're bringing in a guy that we threw batteries at two years later. But yeah, okay, yeah, that's fine. But the, uh, he would have knocked in 150 <laughs> runs that year by accident behind those two guys. That that was the that was the best year Knobloch ever had. Judd's statement, uh, you know, I uh, I loved the Mets. I was at the first game ever played at Mets Stadium. Uh, all those good things. I love Mets Stadium, but yeah, Judd is. Uh, he's, uh, I don't know, too many beers last night. <laughs> no, it was not. Too many, many beers last anybody night. Anybody who would give up the 1991 World Series in this Loserville town is crazy. Yes. Thank you, Pat. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, Pat. You know, that's not fair. He got his best drinking years at Med Stadium uninterrupted. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. I love how the first thing he picks out, he's like, I I forgot to mention Chuck Knobloch in that lineup. Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. Chuck Knobloch was a great hitter, too. For I guess a the schism's done, huh? <laughs> no, I think it's... Oh, he called us to I rip you guys and call you both idiots. Yeah, what did you, like, what out of that interaction leads you to believe that the schism is hey, over? He's talking to us again. <laughs> Just the fact he's ripping us again. God. All right, Dave, what's coming up in stuff next? Oh, let's see. We've got a uh, what-do-you-do-with-all-your-money nugget. We've got some golf talk and a couple of... Big nights in baseball last night. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It'd be nice to see these two come together and uh, try to work something out here. Mackey and Judd. I mean, all we're getting is yelling from both, and it's the yelling and shouting doesn't accomplish anything. On 1500 ESPN. Stuff you should know about is sponsored by Cub. Mix, match, and save 20% on any six bottles of your favorite wine or champagne during the 20% off wine sale at Cub Liquor and Cub Wine and Spirits. See store for details. Woo! 
And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. Please, please tell All right, Dave Harrigan. As birds are dying, flying into uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, what do you got for stuff? I'm worried. I'm worried about Harry Doyle. What? Most of the guy that plays him. Bobby Uecker. I'm worried. He's 83 years old. He's getting up there. He's getting up there, and I don't know if he can handle such excitement. Dominic Leone, all set to work. Here it is. Yellett sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone for Yellett. He has tied the game with a booming home run in the right center field. No doubt about that one. A solo shot, bottom of the ninth, turned a 4-3 game into a 4-4 game. That's a lot of excitement for the old heart to handle. What about the next batter? Ryan Braun sends it to left center and deep. Get up! Get out of here! Gone for Ryan Braun! He just hit a walk-off out of here! And the Brewers have come from behind to beat the Cardinals back-to-back home run. They're trying to kill him. Wow. Are we going to hear from Monty, the color commentator? <laughs> you just did. Dynamite <laughs> dropping, Monty. That broadcast school's really, really? paid off. <laughs> Love me some Bob Uecker. Ah, Good stuff. It's another big bomb yesterday. Here's the next pitch. And he lifts a high drive that's well hit into right center field. It is out of here. Shohei Otani, his first major league home run. And the Angels add on. It's now five to two. Showtime! Did you see the swing? Yes. It's it's sort of like half baseball, half golf. It's very. There's a Japanese left-handed swing style that's very unique. It's 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 a lot like Ichiro, where you're sort of like your whole body is moving out of the batter's box yeah. while you swing. Yep, you're right. It's a very interesting swing style that you don't you don't see with American or even Dominican or Puerto Rican or Venezuelan baseball players. It's like a very specific Japanese. Left-handed swing, and he definitely has it, yes. The weight shift, it's just sort of like the whole thing goes at the same time as opposed to transferring. Yeah. And then there was the guy not hitting bombs. Swing and a miss, and Stanton, for the first time in his career, strikes out five times in a game. You booing him? And how about this crowd? That's... That's a little harsh, booing him with the five strikeouts in a game in which the Yankees are leading 9-4. Michael Kay and Phil Mackey very worried about the New York fans. Yeah, that was a big story. I I was awful today, but, um, you know, Didi picked me up and the rest of the guys, so, um, you know, that's what you need on a not-so-good night for an individual. That wasn't so good. Didi drove an eight, right? Uh, Yeah, four for four, a couple three-run bombs, eight RBIs. Not a bad night. What's the Sterling call? For his home runs again for Didi. Yes, indeed. Gregorius makes Yankee fans euphorious. Oh my Thank gosh. you. I couldn't wow. remember that. Wow. So, so dude hits two bombs in his debut like four days ago against the Blue Jays. We can't even let him have one bad game in his first game oh, at Yankee five Stadium. Strikeouts, We're you get booed right off the field. All right. Fair enough. Uh, back when it was still the sweepstakes for Kirk Cousins, Phil, you were making the point that, yeah, you can get a little bit more money, a few more million from the Jets. 
But, I mean, what are you going to do with that extra few million? If you're an NFL quarterback, you're already going to get more than you could spend. It's all Monopoly the, money, yeah. With the Vikings, right? <clears throat> I have an idea. You can buy jewelry like Drew Brees. Have you heard <laughs> about the lawsuit, boys? He got scammed, right? Uh, that's what he's claiming. He's claiming he was scammed out of millions by a jeweler who sold him, among other items, an $8 million ring. Yeah, in the suit filed Monday, Breeze says this jeweler, uh, jeweler Vahid Marathi, who he's bought a lot of stuff uh, from at the jewelry shop in San Diego where he used to play, uh, insisted the jewelry was a solid investment. Breeze claims the biggest hit he took was a 4.09 carat blue diamond ring he bought in uh, 2015 for 8.18 million bucks. Recently appraised, however. For only three point seven five million, Uh-oh. the lawyer of the jeweler says, "Quote: Drew Brees aggressively purchased multi-million-dollar pieces of jewelry years later, claiming to suffer cash flow problems. He tried to bully my client into undoing the transactions. Mr. Brees' behavior and his belief he was wrong by the jewelry." Uh, did not appreciate in value as quickly as he hoped. Both demonstrate a lack of integrity and contradict basic principles of both economics and the law. He should restrict his game playing to the football field. So, so he's is he just bored and has a lot of money and he's looking to diversify his portfolio to shady jewelry shops or like why would you think that anything that you would wear on your finger or on your neck is worth eight million dollars? How about this? Why are you wearing someone on your, something on your finger worth eight million dollars? I hope you're it? not wearing yeah. it. I'm guessing he's not he wearing. It. I think he's just inve- trying to turn. I it think over. he's investing in it as a commodity, from what the story says. How about real estate, Drew? Yeah, right. Maybe like a commercial building of some kind. Yeah. How about a restaurant? <laughs> I think it's just a business, you know. Keep it simple. Buy a restaurant. <laughs> I mean, it'll fail, but buy the restaurant. <laughs> That's how most athletes lose all their cash. Breezy Steakhouse. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, good. Yeah, of all the things you can that's a real, pump that's your weird. money into, that's an interesting one. Have you guys been reading about LeBron and his feud right now with Nick Saban? Yes. The uninterrupted, that's LeBron's deal. They've been doing a thing two or three times now where he, he sits in a barbershop type setting with the ones with Draymond Green. I think he's got a second one out there. They just talk about life, talk about hoops, talk about whatever. Well, Alabama football copied the idea, which uninterrupted has a copyright on, the shop, they call it. Well, they had Nick Saban sitting in a barber shop with old Alabama football player Julio Jones talking football, talking tide, talking life, and uninterrupted sent him a little cease and desist saying, knock it off. Saban was asked about it yesterday. I don't have a reaction to it. I think LeBron James is a great player. Um, there's been at least 20 barbershop type things I've seen on TV. I didn't know anybody owned that. I didn't even know he had one. Uh, I'm sorry that uh, anybody could be offended by something that we were just having fun with and uh, I enjoyed it and um, we're going to continue to do it. Yeah, I'm kind of with Saban. Like, can you own a copyright on a recorded conversation in a barber shop? Unless they're calling it the same thing. Does LeBron James now just own, hey, any conversation that you have in a barber shop, it could be Judd and his barber. If we have a camera phone on it, cease and desist. So what he's saying, his idea? Now, Judd doesn't talk to his barber, though, so Judd would be safe. And I went and <laughs> got, be got awkward my, my haircut on like... Tuesday, and we barely talked. You look great. And it was way. glorious. Here's the problem. Nick Saban and his use of the word fun. This man doesn't have fun. There's no fun ideas. Nick Saban, for Nick Saban to say something was fun, flies in the face of the coach that we all know. 
Nick Saban, you grind film, you recruit, you have no fun. Go and, back to doing what you do well. And you wear pleated khakis, which yes. is what he's wearing on TV right Since now. Since when does he have fun? <gasps> Maybe he's trying a new, new thing, Judd. You never know. Colin Moore is a comedian. He is an actor, impressionist, and he's decided to give us all a master preview via his uh, Twitter account. More sketches, I believe. At more sketches, if you want to follow it. Follow it. The impressionist takes over, doing wonderful impressions of various PGA golfers leading up to the Masters. Uh, you, oh, it, you said that wrong. It's the Master. My apologies. The Master. Azaleas. You don't know, hit the music, Phil. We have to get the official. Sorry, okay. Yeah, yeah, let's do this right. Welcome to the Master. First, Colin Moore brings us. Sergio Garcia, defending Masters champion, 2017. Uh, last year was incredible. Um, yeah, I think uh, last year was incredible, uh, amazing. You know, to win the green jacket. You know, I think <laughs> it was incredible. You know, but uh, you know, I come back this year. Uh, all I hear about is Tiger, 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 Tiger. If I hear Tiger one more time, that's pretty good. Next, that's pretty good. We bring someone I don't believe you'll be seeing around Augusta this year. Padraig Harrington. Uh, I won't be competing at Augusta this year uh, between playing not great golf and my cholesterol going up and down. Uh, it, it hasn't been a great year. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. We move now <laughs> to Dustin DJ Johnson. As you can probably tell uh, from the tone of my voice, expression of my face, I can't wait for Augusta, man. <laughs> <laughs> Two more remaining in the stable of golf pros as we near the par three tournament and the first round of actual play of the Masters tomorrow. Let's hear from Ian Poulter. Uh, it was difficult, but I qualified for Augusta, uh, which is a nice surprise for everyone as I'm the most exciting player on the tour. Uh, that's just my opinion, but I know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we save the very best for last. Phil Mackey's own personal childhood hero carried into his early 30s, Eldrick Tiger Woods. Conditions are really tough out there. Really, really, really tough. But uh, you know, I thought I played well, I really did, and you know, I can't wait for the weekend. I feel good. I really do. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. The, the, Ser the Sergio <laughs> one, the first like five seconds of the Sergio one, you can't tell that it. I thought you were. I thought you were playing a Sergio clip to set up like the impression. Yeah, I think uh, last year was incredible, <laughs> uh, amazing. You know, to win the green jacket. You know, I think <laughs> it was incredible. You know, but uh, you know, I come back this year. Uh, all I hear about is Tiger, 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 Tiger. If I hear Tiger one more time. It is absolutely perfect. There's a few more if you want to check out the video. It's on the Stuff You Should Know About page. Or My cholesterol can... is going up and down. Oh, Padre. Oh, Padraig? Uh, I won't be competing at Augusta this year uh, between playing not great golf and my cholesterol going up and down. Uh, it, it hasn't been a great year. Uh... 
Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It's heard by well over 100 people. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Test your golf knowledge and sign up for 1500 ESPN's Majors Fantasy Golf Challenge. Ahead of the four majors and the fifth one, the Players' Championship, you will be able to select your pro dream team after each tournament. A winner will be crowned. First up, it is the Masters. Winner of this round. Save it. <laughs> will receive ah, an event unlike any other. A two-night golf trip for four to Craigan's Resort. Make your picks before 6.55 a.m. tomorrow morning to be entered. Just head to 1500ESPN.com, find the banner, click it, and sign up, and make those picks. And then on moving day, when things start to, start to heat up on Saturday, and Jim Nance starts to get even more excited when he intros the action that's been happening during the morning. Tiger Woods making his prowl around the back nine. But can he catch Sergio going for his second green jacket? It's all ahead next. The Masters on CBS. And how does Tiger feel about his two rounds heading into it? Conditions are really tough out there. Really, really, really tough. But, uh, you know, I thought I played well. I really did. And, you know, I can't wait for the weekend. I feel good. I really do. I'll, I'll tell you guys, I'll give you guys a little Jim Nance insight, too. The reason why he gets quieter, I, I was on a conference call a few years ago, and the reason why he starts off excited at 18, because he's all alone at, at 18. At and, the beginning of the broadcast, yeah, you're saying? Yeah, right? so like when they tee off at 18, they it takes him a long time, so he's calling all the stuff from a uh, monitor up in the booth there. But the reason why he quiets down as it goes on, as players start to get to 18, is because the tower at Augusta Very is close. so close to the green ah, yeah. that he is afraid he will disrupt the golfers so if what, he talks too loud. So what's happening? So when they transition from this music to this music, what's happening when he gets really excited I about Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy? It's a star-studded leaderboard in Augusta. It's the Masters on CBS. You know what? Monitor this. I don't know. Do they play that as 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 actually? important players are getting to 18 well, or, the, or do we go to the orchestra by that time the quieter music. Good question. i don't know we're watching something right now on the golf channel Who? it's a pretentious looking guy in a green jacket with blooming azaleas in the background obviously an old white guy is that real hair or helped hair <laughs> oh no the, these are the, all of the masters executives That's the masters no, executives jealous. They're all, uh, like they're all. It's all the same robot here. They're all, they're all mannequins who just sort of come to life for just this week, like that uh, Twilight Zone episode you know from what this the looks '60s. Like? An SNL skit. <laughs> this looks like something that they they would spoof on SNL from the Masters. Yeah. I uh, know. It's the, I love that it's hair. The Masters. Um, CBS, which we're only going to televise like four hours of it because, well, we don't really have a great reason. We want to make it more exclusive. I don't know, it used to be. Uh, Pat brought in, and and he reminded us, he he did some handwritten notes about the 96 he's, Twins. He's obsessed with this one. He's right, though. Uh, Marty oh. Cordova was also in his second year that year. This is one of my biggest sports regrets, so we were going through these earlier. The Kirby Puckett didn't have a chance to bat in this lineup, which was one of the best lineups in baseball, even though they didn't have power like other teams did in 96. And then, of course, they gave up 900 runs, maybe more than that. Because they couldn't get anybody out on the other side. If if that team had Kirby Puckett, it won, they won seventy eight games. If that team had Kirby Puckett, 
and something other than young Brad Radke. Like, literally anything but Rich Robertson, Scott Aldred, or starter Rick Aguilera that year. Scott made 19 Aldred. Stars. But wow. Pat uh, brings to our attention, Chuck Knobloch had a 448 on on-base percentage and 140 runs scored that year. 200 hits, 98 walks, so got on base like 300 times in 1996. And Paul Molitor had 225 hits, which I think might have led baseball that season. And Cordova batted 309, 16 bombs, and 111 RBIs, and then showed up like a mountain of rocks the next year, having taken some supplements in the offseason. And then he couldn't catch a fastball in 1997. I'm looking at the starting rotation right now, though. Oh, it's... oh, This is glorious. So Brad Radke made... Brad Radke was... He made 35 definitely starts. Definitely in the rotation at that point. And, he, okay. And, and he had a 4.46 ERA. Which actually for that which for that era was actually a, yeah. an above average ERA. Okay, your next, so the next four starters day list. Frankie Rodriguez, who I believe that year gave up the mammoth home run to McGuire at the Metrodome on a Sunday night against the A's, had a 5.05. Rich Robertson, 5.12. Scott Aldred, a 5.09, and Aguilera made 19 starts and had a 5.42 ERA that year. Yeah, which is terrible. Go through some of the relievers if you're on baseball reference. Yeah. Uh, Dave Stevens appeared in 49 <laughs> oh, games. 4.66, not half bad. Dave Stevens. For that era, not bad. Saved 11 games that year. Um, let's see, who else? Greg Hansel, then a oh 25-year-old reliever. He checked in in 50 appearances with a 5.69 ERA. Mm. Eddie out of the Ed, a young Eddie Guardado, twenty five years old at the time, five point two five, and that's um, and four saves for him. Mike Trombley, if you recall him, he was almost thirty at the time, three point oh one in forty three games. That's not bad. Six saves too. So the league, all of this, you know, has to be compared to the league because like an ERA in nineteen sixty would be different than an ERA in nineteen ninety six. The league ERA for the American League in nineteen ninety six was five. The average, well, yeah, the average ERA was five. The Tigers in 1996, their staff ERA was 6.38. Wow. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Cleveland Indians had the best ERA in the American League as a staff at 4.34. These so. names are great, though. Dan Serafini. Oh. Latroy, 23 at the time. Dan Serafini, I believe, pitched for Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic a few years ago. He, like, only, he was still pitching. He only got one start. And it didn't go well because his ERA was a t- was ten point four. Yeah. Latroy Hawkins, Travis Miller, who I don't recall, Eric Bennett, Travis Miller, I Travis Miller, I think he went on to pitch for the Rays maybe at some point too. Eric Bennett, I don't recall. No, Scott Klingenbeck appeared oh. in ten games, seven point eight five. TK made a Scott Clemen- Klingenbeck reference on yesterday's ride with Royce. Straight up for Scott Erickson, right? I don't remember that, but yeah, sure. Uh, Pat Mah- Pat Mahomes was on that. Was on was on that staff. He started five games and appeared in twenty seven point two zero. Jose Para, who I do remember, wow. six point zero four in twenty seven games. Wow, that is a cesspool of pitching. That is just all unfortunate. Um, let's let's go back to this. We started the show with this. Tom Thibodeau, Timberwolves talker here. Jimmy Butler stood up for Tom Thibodeau yesterday, and we can play back some of those comments, but. As a Wolves fan, are you all in rooting for them to make the playoffs, even if it means eight seed getting beat by the Rockets pretty handily in four games? Or does a sick, twisted part of you sort of want them to miss the playoffs, keep a draft pick, and maybe even like look at a coaching change? 651 646 8255 877 615 
1500 It's Mackie and Judd. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.